I'm Simon Devereaux, Director of Global Talent Development at Framestore, and welcome to the Framestore podcast, a learning and talent development focused podcast made by Framestore for Framestore. On this week's two-part episode, we are joined by Pia Sofradini, digital matte painter and environment artist at Framestore Melbourne. And joining us this week as guest co-host is junior DMP artist Kat Machioja, based in our London studio. What an episode this was, and a personal education into the world of DMP. This is a real treat, and I very much hope you enjoy this one. Pia and Kat were brilliant. So please settle in and enjoy episode 27, part one of the Framestore podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Framestore podcast. Every two weeks, we invite both a guest from our global Framestore community and a co-host with a keen interest in our guest's role, craft or career path, and we let the magic happen. On today's episode, I warm them up by inviting our guest to the Framestore podcast dailies session, our 13-question grilling, followed by Thursday's second part, where our co-host leads a deeper dive into why we invited them on the pod in the first place. Our special guest this week is Pia Sofradini, digital map painter and environment artist at Framestore Melbourne. Starting out in 2017, Pia has built quite the career following her initial paint and roto training at Animal Logic in the spring of that year, with roles that followed at Method Studios, Fin Design and FX, MPC, Rise FX, Scanline VFX, and now at Framestore, Pia has amassed over 20 credits on some huge shows that include, but are not limited to, 65, Thor Ragnarok, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Ms. Marvel, Black Panther Wakanda Forever, and loads, loads more. You should absolutely check out her IMDb. And this week's guest co-host is junior DMP artist Kat Machoha, a graduate of the University of South Wales, Kat joined Framestore via Blue Bolt earlier this year, having worked on some awesome shows, including Netflix original Seven Kings Must Die and season five of The Last Kingdom. Welcome to the podcast, Pia and Kat. How the devil are you? <laughs> uh, I'm great, thanks. Thanks for the nice introduction. No worries, you're very welcome. And welcome, Kat. Hi, Simon. Hi, Pia. Hi. Lovely to meet you both finally. And dive into some exciting map painting yeah i'm excited i know right yeah well this is officially our well this is our second melbourne special so we're keen to kind of showcase talent from our melbourne studio but i would argue our first episode that really focuses on digital map painting and environments we had matt hughes on on the kind of modeling side we've had lots of great um kind of senior leaders and artists but arguably we've not really done a deep dive on uh on the map painting and, and the, the environment. Cool. So I'm super excited to get into this, as well as hearing about your, your career journey and yours, Cat too. You know, we won't leave you out of this conversation for sure. But uh, you do have quite an interesting um, backstory, Pia, not just in terms of the studios you've worked at, because again, much like Roxy, who was on the last episode, you've bounced around a lot of geographies, like yep. Sydney, Melbourne, but also kind of Munich and um, 
and I'm missing a really obvious one here. Montreal. But, um, yeah. Montreal, thank you. <laughs> of course, how can I forget Canada? Um, but you've bounced around a lot as well. But also you're an example of a kind of career pivot, which I'd love for you to kind of explain. I don't want to kind of give away some of your, the answers to your some of the, the dailies questions, but I'd love you to talk a bit about your your routine from your, your nannying job back in the day. Uh, so I was, I was at uni and I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do I knew that I wanted to work in animation or film and I, it kind of seemed impossible to me actually I, I hadn't I had no idea about the industry I thought actually that we got to do all of like if you're an animator you got to draw the animations and um, do the voices of them and write the story and yeah so it just seemed like kind of impossible for me um, and I, I, I met someone by chance who kind of told me about the industry and then suggested that I do a course at her work um, and then it kind of took off from there yeah and that was animal logic right was, it was so you, yeah. were, were you nannying for a, a, an artist who worked at animal logic was that is that the story have I got that right yeah it was the head of HR actually oh amazing so yeah she she just questioned me all the time what do you want to do in this industry and I was like animation to me, that was everything. Super broad, yeah. And then, yeah, she sort of just explained all the different departments to me and said, what would you like to do out of this? And I had no idea. And then she suggested, you should do the roto training. Okay. So then I just began teaching myself roto and learning all about that and forced my way in. Wow. And uh, yeah, so you did painter training at Animal Logic. And how, how easy was it or how difficult was it? It was so hard. To get that training well okay to get the training I basically gave up my full-time work and I was working part-time nannying and a little bit in the cafe and I just cut down my hours and sat at home and opened up tutorials and yeah. I had never opened Nuke before and I didn't actually really know anything about compositing or uh, visual effects I did a little bit of like this kind of stylized roto in uni for an assignment and so opening up Nuke it was just like what is going on? And I managed to put together a showreel. I really don't know how. And they accepted me into that course. Wow. And um, I did the course and it, it was really, really hard for me because, yeah, again, I didn't really know anything about Roto. Mm -hmm. But by the end of it, I thought, all right, cool. I, like, I really like this. And they didn't hire me that time. And I think some months passed and I – thought all right I really need to try harder at this so once again I just buried myself into uh, learning how to roto and asked if I could do the course again they were like we usually don't do this but sure I did the course again and then straight from there I was hired at method in in Sydney which was Allura back then actually yeah, of course as a roto artist so yeah wow that's super cool, super cool. And I love, I love that you went from kind of um, not really knowing what you wanted to do. When people talk about visual effects, it is kind of the broad brushstrokes are animation. But you know, yeah. even my parents thought I was an animator. I happened to work in visual <laughs> effects, you know. But you know, I've never touched, never touched Nuke in my life, never touched Blender in my life. You know, I know of the these mystical art forms, but in reality, you know, I just support people who work in our industry. But yeah, that anime is such a massive it's such a massive melting pot of skills and, and talents and disciplines, right? So yeah. to go from literally, you know, zero, knowing nothing 
to then go right I'm going to go for this it must have been super exciting it was but also I imagine quite challenging at the time it was challenging but I think that like as soon as you get the job offer it's like all of your dreams have come true in one go because I think also like being at uni they they give you this impression that working in the industry is something that only five out of five million people will do like I even had a a tutor at uni who said don't try to get a job at Animal Logic because they hire like five animators a year or something like that. Yeah. And it, it's not really inspiring. Um, but yeah, in the end, when you get the job, it's like, wow, I achieved that thing. And yeah, it's, it's a great feeling. It's like getting a role on a, a show, isn't it? It's like getting, a, <laughs> it's like auditioning for a, for an acting job and, yeah. and getting the gig, you know? I mean, uh, I think we're going to, I want to talk, I want to explore career paths on this podcast because again, I said at the start, you know, career pivots are really interesting to me. And I talk a lot about squiggly career paths on the podcast anyway, because again, you know, nobody's career path is linear. Occasionally we have the odd artist who has started off as a runner, then they become a scheduler, then they become a junior and a mid and a senior. And then before you know it, they're running the the studio, but that's quite rare now. I find, I think, uh, I don't know, but Kat, what's your what's your experience getting into industry? I mean, you're new to Framestore, but you're not new to industry. Yeah. And again, we're going to talk about big breaks shortly, but I'd love to hear your routine, Kat. So I am quite new to the industry because um, Blue Bolt was my first job starting after uni. Just like Pia, I had this idea that I wanted to work for film in animation, but for me, that was like, Animation is everything, but at the same time, they also do environments. So I thought I needed to follow animation path in order to achieve that. And then I joined a visual effects and motion graphics course where two of my lecturers were um, former VFX artists. And they told me that there's such a discipline as map painting, and maybe that's something that I should go towards. But at the same time, I shouldn't limit myself, that I should also learn Nuke and learn a bit of Roto and Prep in order to be a desirable asset for every company that might be hiring. And yeah, online tutorials, learning after hours, because the course wasn't really focused on map painting. I was learning from other artists and anything that I could find online, doing one-on-ones with other artists in different countries and well yeah now i'm here cool no great and again i love this uh this trend on this podcast where you both uh started about doing doing those online tutorials you know because yeah. there's, yeah. there's a plethora of content out there you know particularly if you know somebody's starting out who perhaps can't afford to do a course or go to university or you know you know or even yeah you know, lucky enough to get on an internship you just download in the software if you can yeah I feel like I feel like there's this stigma that you need to finish uni you need to get a degree yeah. in order to be successful and have an amazing career but yeah honestly most of the Things I learned about my painting specifically were online and from other people telling me their trips and tricks in the yeah. industry. So yeah. I've met many people who didn't go that route and still are successful seniors and supervisors and mm. are just inspiring that you can come from any background whatsoever and still make your dreams come true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
and Pia, you talked about literally getting your reel together before you, you know, set a foot on any in, on any studio turf. You know, you were literally pulling together, you know, a reel from your learnings. You know, from your yes, from diving into that. that yeah, world. and it was terrible. <laughs> It was really awful looking back. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm sure it wasn't, but you know, we should, uh, I'd love to see that reel. It'd be great. I mean, it got you in the door, right? So I think that's. Uh, I that's think fair. I burnt it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Flames. Um, cool. Well, we, we will return to this uh, subject area, but again, as I said at the start, I'm I'm, I'm fascinated by digital map painting because having worked in industry for a while now, I've spoken to a lot of I would say traditional visual effects artists, and it's not necessarily a prerequisite that you have to be able to draw or have any real kind of uh, artistic talent in inverted commas so I assume you're both very accomplished artists because I always I see digital map painting as as a canvas right am, am I naive in saying that or is that is that is there some truth in that uh, Pia do you want to take that yeah I I think that I assume that every map painter also is uh, has an interest in art and um, yeah. is artistically talented or at least skilled um I have loved drawing since I was f four years old. So, and I knew that when I was a child that all I wanted to do was cartoons or animation again. So, yeah, I, I think you do need to have, well, I think that it's it helps. I don't think you need it. I think mm. if, if you really loved it, you could train yourself to be good at it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was always my understanding of uh Again, I'm not. I'm, I've been in industry a long time, and I'm, I'm speaking from conversations that I've had with, you know, traditional 2D and 3D artists, and you know, a lot. Of, you know, some of those individuals said, "Look, I just can't. I can't draw, but I understand maths and geometry, and you know, and all, you know, all these amazing kind of, you know, technical um, elements to a, a piece of software like Maya." Yeah. Uh, that's why, you know, I mean, I'm a former illustrator myself, hence why I'm well, not former. I still do it. Okay. Not, don't get paid to do it, but you know, I'm still a at heart an illustrator um, yeah so yeah I, I, it's really interesting to hear that you know perhaps you don't necessarily have to have that passion for you know for painting or you know traditional art forms but it helps right I mean Kat does that resonate with you it does resonate with me but I think for me it's about the keenness in observing the nature nice yeah because as just like Pia, I've been drawing since I was a little kid. Yeah. I remember having a little tiny table that was my size that I could stand <laughs> next to and just paint little doodles when I was just in my diapers. <laughs> but it's that <laughs> it's that observing the nature when you're a map painter that helps you recreate and helps you convey different emotions and like how that environment will resonate with the rest of the scene and yeah. how it will aid the storytelling that is important I think I love that I love that yeah that's a great answer how the environment aids the storytelling yeah 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 you're right and it's such a big component it's not just a case of having some artistic talent because you know I can draw characters but I would not know where to start you know, working with an environment and then like you say understanding how it interacts and interplays with what's happening on screen that must be a fascinating pipeline to be involved in yeah yeah all right well on that note I mean I'm in danger of just ruining the dailies questions and again I always talk about the laws of podcast we have to we have to have the preamble conversation but we also have to get stuck into the uh, the, the fabled faint frame store podcast dailies so uh if you're ready, Pia, I'm going to drop the dramatic sound effect. Are you are you ready? Are you primed? Go in, for it. I'm ready. In the zone. 
All right. Yeah, I'm in the zone. So we're going to drop it from on high. Here it comes. And we are in to the dailies. Now, I'm in danger of repeating myself here, but I'm going to ask the question because it's the law and I'll get shot down in flames if I don't ask it, which is the question, who, where, what? Who are you? Where are you? And what are you working on? Only if you're allowed to talk about it, Pia. So I'm Pia. I'm a digital map painter and environment artist. I live in Melbourne and working for Framestore in Melbourne. And I'm currently working on TED TV, which is a, pe- a prequel to the TED movies by Seth MacFarlane. Ah, yes, I've heard about that show. Excellent. And how, how far along are you on that show? Uh, the environment side of it is almost done. Excellent, excellent. It's almost finished, but there's a lot of animation to still be done. And do you, I do you naive question, but you know, when we talk about the pipeline, what, once like you say your your work is almost done, do you literally get to walk off into the sunset once you've done your bit, or are you still kind of to the ground? Because do you get pulled in to various daily conversations? Sometimes, yes. Like I actually thought that I was finished a few weeks ago, and then suddenly we had a lot more work to do, which was great because I really loved that show, and um, yeah. Good. Good to know. And well answered. To the point. That's what we like. And Kat, it'd be remiss of me not to ask you the same question. Who, where, what? Who are you? Where are you? And what are you working on? But only if you're allowed to talk about it. I don't want to get into trouble. <laughs> well, I'm Kat. I'm the digital map painter at Framestore London IA department. And I am not allowed to talk on what I'm working on since it's going to be public. Excellent. Excellent. So we'll move on swiftly from that. <laughs> So a bit of mystery. <laughs> we love that. A bit of jeopardy, a bit of mystery. This is uh, this is what podcasts are all about. It keeps people hanging on and listening. So uh, yeah. good. Well, it's a pleasure to have you both on the podcast. Absolutely. The second question is, how long have you worked here? So I've teased out a few years and uh, a bit of career history, but how long have you been at Framestore Pier? I've been back for three months now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was a part of the studio when it was Method from 2019 to 2021. Okay. And that's when I moved to Germany for two years and then worked at Rise and Scanline and then came back to Australia. Yeah, wow. How, how was that? I mean, I asked the same question to Roxy on the last episode. You know, how, how have you adapted to the different cultures of, you know, you know, Montreal, then Munich, and then obviously back in, back in Australia? I mean, do you find it easy? Uh, I think when I first went to Montreal, I was, I was, it was pretty early on in my career. So I went there feeling like, you know, I was ready to handle anything and I would accept any pipeline or whatever. I had no judgment about anything. And then going to Germany, I think I I had been working for a few years at Method, really loved the pipeline. And then, you, you know, when things are different and um, things run differently, it, it is hard to get used to it. Um, and you're always sort of looking back like, oh, remember when things were like this, but yeah. you just have to do it. Yeah, just accept how it is. Ro- roll with the punches, and try to stay try to stay positive about it. Yeah, yeah. The world of VFX ever changing, <laughs> ever evolving. Believe, yeah, yeah no, exactly. True, true that. Can't stand still, or you're gonna go backwards. No, no, I know. I mean, how's Munich as a as a VFX community? Because again, Europe is still fairly burgeoning new VFX community in many ways. How yeah. was how was German Germany compared to Montreal? I feel like it was a lot quieter, but maybe that was because I was there in kind of peak COVID times. Yeah. There was a few studios around and we would go to meetups and, you know, screeners and stuff with other people. 
but it, it did feel a lot quieter than Munich felt a lot quieter than Montreal. Oh, okay. So if you hear that Montreal, you're all very loud. You're all too loud. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. I'm only joking. Uh, brilliant. And, and what about you, Yupi? I mean, you started this year. I mean, was it March you joined or was it earlier than that? I have joined in early March, if I remember correctly. Yes. Cool. I'm relatively new to the company. I love it. I love it. I, lo- I mean, the, the beauty of this podcast is we can have anyone on because uh, I, I mean, on the last episode, both uh, Roxy and Harsh had, have been with the company just this year. And getting that initial impression, that new perspective, I think is really important. As much as having a VFX supervisor on who's been with Framestore for 25 years, you know, you, you get so many different conversations. Yeah. But how are you finding, how are you finding life at Framestore, Cap? I would say I love being in the London division because you have both film and TV and mm. advertisement and immersive all in the same building. Yeah. So you can always find new people to talk to. It's amazing to come to the office and talk to the team Mm -hmm. from the project you're working on. You can just come by their desk and learn from their experience. Everyone is just super lovely. And the learning materials that we have access to at Framestore are amazing. So Excellent. Correct answer. Thanks, Kat. Yeah. Couldn't be a better choice. Yeah, amazing. Awesome. All correct answers there. Thank you, Kat. Uh, no, <laughs> Kat hasn't been primed, by the way. Tick, tick, tick. <laughs> Kat hasn't been primed. I can stay in frame store. Amazing learning and development and training. And amazing teams. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, and Pia, you know, how um, how's the transition been? Because like you say, you kind of, um, you know, you, you were away a little bit. So you kind of left uh, kind of the, the, the method situation. Now I've come back and it's it's frame store how have you managed that transition how how are the team is everybody back in the office now what's the kind of hybrid situation it actually feels very similar to what it was like when I left which is great because I loved it so much um I go into the office a couple of times maybe once every few weeks there's four or five of us that go in now oh cool there wasn't there was two when I started and now there's another two it's growing that have yeah. joined so it, yeah it's mostly work from home cool um but going into the office has been really great yeah, it's nice to get that balance i find yeah you know that balance of uh, i mean how, how often are you in cat do you do two three days a week uh i try to be twice a week mm-hmm. i find that a good balance between home and office because you get enough socializing and enough your time to like wind down and rest yeah. and not have to go in every day. But I graduated when the COVID was in like full spike. So I oh, had yeah. to start oh, wow. only by working at home. And it was really daunting not being able to see other artists in person and actually be able to come up to someone and mm. be like, hey, I really like your work. How did you achieve that effect in your work? And yeah, yeah now it's loads better. And I hope more and more people come into the office on like a hybrid schedule. Yeah. I feel like that's a really good balance that wasn't there before COVID and VFX. And it is a really good to see the industry change in that direction. Yeah, yeah I agree. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting journey, isn't it? I, I totally agree. I have a baby now, so yeah, it makes it really easy to work from home and be able to take him to daycare and just pop over and pick him up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it, it's really helpful. Like I say, it's that balance, isn't it? It's getting that, you know, particularly in the roles that you you both do, that you need to have that in-person team collaboration. But also when you're at home, not only do you get the benefit of 
the self mental self-care family whatever your personal situation is but you I find that when you're from home you get more kind of done as well you know it's kind of like more the, the, if you've got deep work to do which of course you do yeah you uh I, you could argue yeah you know, on the days where you don't need to collaborate as much you can get more yeah totally get more work knocked out is that is that fair to say yeah yeah a hundred percent yeah Good. Just, just check in. I was just checking. Cat was nodding as well. I want to make sure that I'm not just uh, go, going yeah, down yeah, a rabbit hole. Just line up the coffee and the <laughs> snacks and just get things done. All here. Yeah. Here for the coffee and the snacks. I eat too much when I'm at home, though. It's good for my figure if I'm in the office because I'm, <laughs> I'm not distracted by the fridge. Just moving a bit. Up yeah, I go for a little walk and then I'm like, what's in the cupboard? I'm grazing all day. <laughs> Yeah, where did I leave that bag of pistachios? Where are they? God, I know, I know. Stuff goes missing all the time when I'm at home. It drives my wife mad. <laughs> um, cool. Well, we'll get back to all the hybrid stuff as well, because, again, a super interesting discussion. But while we're talking about Framestore and uh, the shows we can't talk about, this is one of my favorite questions. It gets uh, – actually, I'm going ahead of myself, actually. I want to talk about breaks first. Um, now, we touched on breaks kind of uh, in, in the preamble. But, Pia, I wanted to kind of what understand what, for you – was your big break in the VFX industry? And I caveat that with when people look at this question, they think it just applies to the first job. You know, my big break was when I got that that role, like we said earlier, you know, it was like one of five artists. Yeah. What for you was the moment that you knew you were going to stay in this industry? What is, what is the big break for you? Uh, it's a good one, isn't it? Yes. I think possibly when I switched over to matte painting and got through this hurdle that I was struggling with and my lead was sort of impressed with my work and I felt really good about myself and then all of that nice feeling of like, okay, I've, I've learned what I need to learn at this stage in my career and I love what I'm doing and things make sense to me finally. Yeah. Maybe then. Yeah, it's when I thought, right, this is this is it for me. That's interesting. So that's kind of like a break, a break almost as payoff. So it's almost payoff for that decision you made, the training you did, the craft you harnessed to get that. I mean, what resonated with me just then was the your lead being impressed, your lead going, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you know, that's the was that the moment? Yeah, because I think like when I switched over to matte painting, I I was really enjoying it, but it felt like the the learning curve for me felt so high and some some days it felt like what am I doing Mm. and when I finally got past that that bit and things started to make sense and I felt like I was a proper artist that's great then yeah I felt like I really belonged there then love that yeah again I mean I'm I'm big on words that resonate with me and I think yeah you belonging you felt like you belonged you felt like a proper artist yeah that moment that that validation that's that's the break that's great yeah love that what about you Kat what's your big what was the big break for you and again uh, early on in your career but you've still worked on some incredible stuff and what for you was the big big moment where it's like yeah this is what I want to do for not the rest of your life but you know for the foreseeable future at least yeah (laughs) I think for me it might have really been the first job and the first project I worked on because the first project was the last season of The Last Kingdom And I found out about Blue Bolt uh, while joining a VFX conference where the VFX supervisor, Richard Fraser, was talking about VFX and map paintings. 
in season four of the series. Mm. And I really loved the feel of the show and the visuals. And I started mm. watching the series and I was like, I never thought I would be into Viking stuff. Yet here <laughs> I am enjoying the show. So I got in contact and um, spoke to him about DMP. He pointed me to the supervisor of the DMP department, mm -hmm. Tamara Topler. And I got interview, I got in and I got to work on the last season of the show. I really enjoyed watching while she mentored me in my first job and just learned so much and you know, my voice felt heard when I was in dailies and I was presenting my work. And it just made me so proud because so many people say that you shouldn't expect to like love your first job yeah. or like that you will get to the position where you want to work at as your first job offer. Yeah. So like you shouldn't hype yourself up. And I think that I was really fortunate to get that first job that really resonated with me and what I love doing. Yeah. And then just, yeah, just felt like a dream come true, really. That's awesome. And Richard, Richard was on uh, the Axis VFX podcast that I, my other podcast as part of my, my, my non-profit that I run, Axis VFX. And uh, yeah, he came on the podcast last year, actually, and we was talking about The Lost Kingdom, so it's all kind of come back to me. So he's a great advocate for the work we do at Access. But uh, yeah, and again, you know, uh, similar to what Pierre just said about feeling belong, yeah, feeling that sense of belonging as a proper artist, you know, where you, what you just said there, Kat, about your, your voice felt heard at that early stage in your career. Again, that validation must be super empowering. And you, you take that with you the rest of your career, don't you? Yeah. Definitely. To date, at least. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Well, great answers, both. Thank you so much for that. So moving into the frame store question that I almost, I almost skipped that question, which is entirely unprofessional on my part, is uh, the cheesy question, the self-styled, corny, cheesy question. But I have to, have to ask it because it is the frame store podcast after all, which is what's the best thing about being part of frame store. So Pia, over to you. What is the big, the big win? The best thing about working at Framestore to me are the visual effects supervisors. Okay. Uh, they are like so good at motivating you and making you feel really good about your work. And even if you present work that they want to completely change, you leave dailies not feeling like terrible about yourself. You kind of feel like motivated to make the changes and, and do, do better. Peace. which I think is like it's it's like a skill that they have to to comment on your work and not tear you to, to shreds wow I mean that is a skill it that is. is a skill I mean I, I'm working on some content at the moment around feedback and getting it right you know like you say if you leave dailies feeling that you can do better and improve your work without feeling awful or feeling like you've just been you know thrown under the bus I think is uh is a real skill. Yep. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the, the VFX soups in, uh, in Melbourne are doing something right. Not assuming everybody else is doing something wrong. I'm just speaking about this bubble in our, in our podcast. Yep. Here, but that's, uh, <laughs> but what's, the, what's the secret, do you think? How is that feedback delivered? I mean, do share. I'm sure anybody listening would, would value some of this. I think they just, they don't make you feel small. And like another, another thing, like they make you feel like a valued member of the team. And maybe sometimes they can just ease the criticism like with a nice soft landing of 
giving you a little compliment not that that's absolutely necessary but sometimes they'll be like oh this is great work that you did I I, like I think that if we change this bit and change this bit then it'll be great they could want to change the whole thing but they still make you feel like they're 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 happy with the work that you have presented to them that's great so it's almost kind of like you treat it as an equal so it's not just like you're not just critiqued yes like, like we always say on all these podcasts is all the shows are the product of these amazing teams collaborating together, right? Yeah. I mean, we all see the, the absolute brevity of all the people that work on these shows when you so much credits at the end of any any project. Um, but that speaks to that, right? That, that What I'm hearing there is collaboration rather than this kind of... Exactly, you know, yeah. You know, you know, them and us kind of uh, conversation, you know? Yeah. Great. So Pierre says it's the VFX soups, the best thing. Kat, what's the best thing about working at Framestore? Um, I think partially I'm going to agree because yeah, the soups know how to deliver the feedback while appreciating the work you've done, even if it might not be entirely what the clients are looking for. Yeah. But then they will make you feel heard and appreciate the work you're doing. And the other part, I think I'm gonna give into the encouragement, yeah. encouragement of the soups and of the rest of the team in becoming even a better version of the artist you are now. So I really wanted to go shoot some texture references for the shots I was doing. And I was encouraged to just get the camera, get the kid and tripod and just get out into London and just go take those pictures, go and do it. Like you're gonna learn that way. And it was super amazing because I never had that opportunity before to do that for work in a studio and just seeing the pictures I shot being part of the artworks I did and clients loving it it just feels so fulfilling in that moment that you're contributing more and more of what you can give yeah in each and every part of your work that's brilliant yeah like you say it's a kind of a whole it's an entire learning experience isn't it yeah. and it must be I mean for both of you to see your work on screen yeah uh for the casual viewer they're just seeing this great piece of work or this amazing kind of environment but for you you've got that as well as that the journey to get there and all those conversations and as as Pia said those collaborative conversations and you know the end and you both talked about being seen and validated and being seen as an equal that must be incredible. I mean, I don't, I can't imagine what that feeling must be like when you sit and yeah. watch uh, any any show that you've worked. I mean, I reeled off a few names. Yeah, it's amazing. I wonder if Pierre is going to agree with me that being a map painter is amazing in a way that you sit in between different departments. So like you get a bit of talk with the lighting and the assets and comp and like, it's just a constant conversation and like, how can we improve this? can I supply you with anything else that is going to make the shot even better? And mm. it's just so many things you get to learn because your shot is constantly evolving either in 2D or 3D and you just get to talk to different people with different expertise. That's so cool. Yes, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a partnership, like I say collaboration, constant learning. I mean, what can I ask you both? It's not one of the pre- uh, preordained questions that I sent to you both but and I'm going to talk about favorite shows in a minute but is there a particular environment that you worked on I'll, I'll start with Pierre and I'd love to hear from you as well Kat it's almost like is there a favorite of yours you know if you could put it in a frame and pop it on 
on the wall at home above the fireplace you know um what would it be is that a fair question or is it like asking you to pick your favorite child <laughs> uh like five of them just flashed through my my mind but and I feel like usually my favorites aren't because like wow look that's so amazing or whatever it's usually like uh, the, the story behind how that um, map painting came together like what I had to learn who I had to talk to who helped me out yeah. um, you know the music that I was listening to at the time that I did it and it, one of them is like a Shang-Chi it's just San Francisco buildings but when I see that I think oh my gosh that was the like one of the best times of my life making that thing yeah I, I appreciate just, that That's I don't great. know it's, yeah, it's more than just a piece of artwork right it's what happened to get it to where it is that's fair thank you Pia how about you Kat do you have anything that stands out yeah I I do agree because the images that flash through my mind is not like a grand landscape that is just so realistic and beautiful in itself it's like a whole shot and the team you got to work with and the things you had to learn and the versions you created of that environment that just brought you to the final product and it's just I think the journey is the most amazing part about this because that's what you remember in the end it's not just about the final image it's about the team and what you went through to get there yeah brilliant Okay. Okay. So, so well, well dodged both of you. You didn't, you didn't pick one, but that's fine. <laughs> I, I, it's all about the journey. The journey is the most important part. I'll probably think of one later tonight. Like, <laughs> oh, why didn't I mention that one? No, I, I think your answers are perfect because they're kind of, I love that. It's kind of, there's almost kind of like a spiritual feel to this podcast. It's all about the journey. It's all about getting from <laughs> yeah. that, that blank piece of paper to, you know, the, what you see on screen and all of the peaks and troughs. And like we talked about, the squiggly, the squiggly careers, it's a squiggly journey. Yeah. All of those brilliant daily sessions, working with those great supervisors, getting that wonderful feedback. It's, it, it's, it sounds great. It sounds like an absolute utopia. Just put some meditation music in the background and relaxing gong sounds yeah. every now and then. I was going to say, we can do that in the edit, honestly. Don't tempt me. I did it on the Christmas episode with the Jingle Bells, so we can, we can definitely get, we can make that happen for sure. That would be amazing. for that on this episode absolutely <laughs> um so speaking of shows then um next question is uh, the question the official wording is if you could recommend one show that showcases framestore at its best what would it be i always want to rephrase that to the show you'd show to an alien you know to say this is what we do so pia what would you what would you dig out of the vaults um i didn't work on it but blade runner 2049 because uh, it it showcases Framestore's ability to create visually stunning and photorealistic environments and yeah. like everything just looks crazily realistic. Yeah, and the, the, the work, I mean, the, the concept art books around the work we did for Blade, that Blade Runner show was just immense. I mean, uh, every, every one of those pages you could put on a, put in a frame and happily display it. I mean, they're beautiful, weren't they? The colour palette, the whole piece. Yeah. 
Good, good, strong. Thank you, Pierre. What about you, Kat? I genuinely don't know how to answer that question. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, we'll come, we'll, I'll let you procrastinate because I won't ask you all well, the questions. Well, maybe Kat, if, okay, if I were to choose one show because of environment and map paintings, I think I would choose season four of The Crown. Oh, because nice. some of the work really inspired some of my map paintings that I do today. And because it's based on real events and real locations, you really have to nail down the realism in those scenes to actually sell to the viewer that, yes, this is where yeah. Queen Elizabeth is. And now that's where she is going. That's the ferry that she's traveling on you can see the dover in the background and like you really need to nail it so i'd say possibly that great i mean thank you both for choosing shows that don't include a certain uh, cuddly bear or or, or <laughs> raccoon or you know or any other fairy creature because everybody goes for the creature work which is obviously right and proper and amazing next level but to yeah. hear kind of it from a, a matt painter's uh, environment artist point of view is really interesting and actually both of those examples are, are really quite inspiring actually we, we haven't had we definitely haven't had the crown yet on the pod so that's so uh, i think we may have had blade runner we may not have i need to go through the vaults of the podcast but uh, really nice examples nice all right we're into our next question then thank you for answering those we're into the next one which is um common myths um, but pia what is a common myth about your job role or field of expertise what do people often get wrong about the world of environments? Hmm. Well, I felt like I was going to answer that question from a, like, I don't think people, I don't really know anything that people kind of get wrong about my role other than people who aren't in our industry who usually think that I paint maps. <laughs> okay, yeah. <right. laughs> like, well, literally painting maps. Maps and maps, like oh, doormats oh, and and atlases. That's what people think Amazing. that I do. Amazing, wow. <laughs> people are that uneducated. They I'd think... love to be painting doormats. <laughs> just... That would be amazing. Imagine your showreel, just a, a selection of doormats. Oh. And, and some maps as well. Oh, I have some ordnance survey maps and here's a here's a globe here. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh. That could be our, the best answer we've had. <laughs> um, like within our industry, I don't know if you feel this, cat, but a lot of people give me the impression that they think that map painting is going to go away and be replaced by just environment artists. Mm. Mm. Do you feel that? Yeah, I feel like a lot of, especially bigger companies who really rely heavily on 3D and assets think that map painting might go away because 3D gives you more freedom when it comes to camera movements yeah. that are really deep and extensive. But I hope it's not going to go away as an art form because it came from a very traditional painting place. And I think that's also what's so beautiful about it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there is need for it. So I hope it's not going to go away. That's a strong, a strong myth to get in there. I think yeah. it does come. It does come from like traditional cinema, doesn't it? Literally the. Yes, it's one of the first. The canvases that they'd wheel onto the. Yeah. Yeah, to the original. VFX techniques, because people used to paint on glass. Yeah, practical effect. Yeah. And I think that's maybe where the most common myth might come from, that people 
still thing we paint on glass and things like that because that was what i believed when i first heard matte painting i was like yay yeah. all those traditional uh, all those years of traditional painting will finally pay off mm. and then i'm sitting there being like oh it's photos and photo <laughs> in software on my computer wait what yeah that's interesting i mean i I'm, I'm very aware of the time that we have on this podcast but i'd love to get into a whole conversation around you know, old old Hollywood movies where they would literally, like Gone with the Wind, they'd literally wheel wheel on the canvas, wouldn't they, of the kind of the mountain range yeah. behind them, or even like the original the, the original Star Wars movies. You know, they were all amazing, yeah, actual paintings, yeah, weren't they? I mean, what about part three to the podcast? Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but we can only talk about tradition. I'm not getting into that weird middle part of cinema where it was like everything was green screen and it just looked horrendous. You know, I think it's getting that kind of balance right but yeah we, we could bring you back we could definitely bring you back i'm, I'm loving i mean another matte painting special for sure um i'm here for that and i'm definitely a supporter of uh matte painting being uh um, lasting forever and not being replaced by the bloody ai bots and stuff yeah. i don't think you can ever really truly yeah, yeah yeah i mean that's a we all know how we feel about that um okay let's move into then the next question which is around uh important lessons then so again you know here you've had uh yeah, you know, a career pivot, a really interesting career to date. You know, what's the most important lesson you've learned during that time? I have many lessons jammed into one sentence. Oh, sounds good. So I feel like you need to always stay curious about the work that you're doing. And I'm talking back to myself now. So I always try to stay curious about the work that I'm doing and keep experimenting with new tools and um, just keep looking for the next challenge in my work. And the most important lesson when you're working is to be a good communicator yeah. like with your lead and supervisors and coordinator I just feel like that's such an underrated skill yeah yeah I think the, the curiosity piece is interesting because that keeps it new doesn't it like you say you're always looking for new new tools new challenges you never really I mean I've said it loads of times on the podcast already but I always say nobody ever really achieves mastery. Nobody ever gets to a point, particularly in this industry, nobody gets to the point where you know everything and you know how to do everything and yep. you do it to the highest possible standard because there's always something new to learn in your particular chosen craft. Exactly. You always have to be a student. Always. Every day is a school day, right? True. Yep. Love that. Love that. Okay. Brilliant. Well, that's a great answer. Beautifully succinct. Um so I want to get into mentors now. And again, I'd love to loop you into that as well, Kat. Um, so, Pia, what's, uh, who's been your most important professional mentor to date? You know, is it one person? Is it a series of micro mentors? You know, what's your take on that question? I, I definitely have um, a series of them. I feel like every lead in some way uh, will be my mentor. I, but I do have two that stand out. One is my very first DMP lead. He was just like this really great map painter, but he he really wanted me to learn yeah. and was really good at teaching me, um, was just so calm about everything as well. And I just, like, I always look back and thought, he really helped me to become a map painter. Um, now I would say my best mentor is my fiancé. Oh, wow. So he's uh, a compositor. And we worked together at Method um, before it became Frame Store. And he just knows so much about film and, like, he has a crazy amount of knowledge about stuff. He's just so obsessed with film. 
And he just, like, we will watch a movie and I'll say, what's not right about those buildings? And then in a second, he'll be able to answer, no. oh, there's not enough light on this side or whatever. And we're just always talking about um, about films together and uh, also, like, teaching me, because like, he's a compositor, so he uses Nuke. So um, he's t- taught me so much about every node that's in there. That's great. So you're super cinephiles then. Lots of, lots of... Uh... <laughs> yeah constant cinema chat back at the uh the Sofredini household yeah <laughs> yeah and we're always pausing the tv wow and how old's your how old's your little one? Ten and a half months now oh wow so proper proper baby then so little bubba not quite stuck him in front of the godfather yeah. yet and still got a bit of a uh, bit of a way to go <laughs> no yeah kid i love that and i think yeah going for your first dmp lead is really nice because again it'd be interesting if you didn't have that such a strong mentor in those early days whether your career would have gone on a different squiggle um arguably totally feel like i was just like so lucky to get that job and then end up with with him as the lead i love that you're welcome to shout him or her out by the way if you want to it's always good to kind of give people their flowers torsten his name's torsten Uh, and uh, yeah, and obviously your 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 significant other, great. I mean, you get the, you know, both worlds encapsulated there—the personal and the uh, and the professional. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Um, what about you, Kat? Anybody you want to shout out? I think it would be my first DMP supervisor as well. Yeah. Uh, who I mentioned earlier, Tamara Topler, because she was so amazing and talented and. When I first joined Bluebolt, it was just her leading a whole DMP department of men. And she was this strong, fierce woman with such amazing talent and knowledge and always sharing everything she knows and keeping tabs on everyone's work and helping and being that messenger in between different departments that yeah. It was just amazing to learn from her and to see how women in VFX can be amazing leaders and how what important work they're doing and how far you can go. That's great. When you're talented and passionate about things you're doing. Yeah, I mean, thank, uh, thank you, Kat, for sharing that. And again, it's uh, that first lead, you know, having somebody so strong and particularly that kind of idea of see it, be it, having a strong female uh, lead as well at that early part in your career I mean again um, I mean I run a, a workshop here at Framestore around mentoring we talk about how you never really forget your your really great mentors you know as much as they're there for a short period of time doing the work almost their legacy lives on through the work that, that you do right whether it be Pia your your example or Cat, what you've just shared yeah it's so cool yeah I agree great answers honestly this is fast becoming my favorite episode um <laughs> Other episodes were great too, but this one is my favourite. Um, <laughs> really good, honestly, ticking all my all my boxes. I love I love this conversation. Um, moving into the next question now is about underrated tools. So, Pia, is there an underrated tool that you use that is indispensable for your role in your craft? What doesn't get the what what doesn't get its flowers? Yeah, um, brushes in Photoshop. I feel like no one really cares about them anymore, and I still make brushes and and use my own brushes nice it's just the best way to to do a really nice painting yeah excellent keeping the photo still flying the photoshop flag that's great excellent do you agree cat is that do you, do yeah. you yeah yeah okay i, I do agree because a lot of people get 
away from that traditional painting by just using their pen to do lasso or selections, but they're not really painting in the matte painting. They are just matte artists in the end. So I think it's really important that that tool is appreciated because that's where we all, or most of us come from when it comes to that. And then just pays the homage to the whole craft itself. Yeah. Yeah, again, it is a genuine craft, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to get into the, we've, we've touched on some advice already about uh, when we talked about lessons learned, Pia, but what is one piece of advice you'd give to somebody starting out, specifically somebody starting out in your field? What would you, if any budding map painters, DMP artists, uh, environment artists who are listening? Um, be annoying. <laughs> Always like there's going to be so much stuff that you want to know and that you don't know. And I think one thing that I always did when I started out, I didn't want to annoy my lead with questions. I had a million questions, but I thought, Oh, I don't want to be annoying. And one day someone said to me, you, you should be milking them for their knowledge all the time. Just ask them as many questions. And then it changed. And I was like, okay, so a lead would like show me a setup. And then I would later on, Hey, can you explain how you did that setup yeah. and and just yeah just keep asking and 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 not even in the in your department or to your lead in other departments like the other day I was doing some um Maya stuff and I just went over to a lighter that I knew and tell me all about your setup and yeah you know just get so much information from anyone because I think a lot of people are so keen to help other people as well yeah and they don't think that it's annoying um you just have to break through that part where you feel like you're being annoying yeah, that's a great that's yeah because it's always you feel you feel it more in yourself don't you it's like anything it's like any kind of exactly thought yeah. structure it's always not as bad as you think it is and yeah i love that that hindsight you know almost kind of looking back i should have been more annoying yes irritating yeah it's great it's great advice right i mean i i look back and i wish i asked more questions because you always you don't want to you know i mean it's called the stupid question people always say there's never a stupid question but the fact that you're using the term stupid in that line um, <laughs> it intimates that it probably is and you don't want to be you know when you get a job you want to be seen as you, you know you, you know what you're doing right you know so yeah you know to to kind of you know to, to expose yourself as somebody who might not know everything i mean it's not a crime so i think that's a great that's great advice exactly yeah i love that excellent excellent um Kat, you must have some advice as well. I know I said I'd only ask you a couple of questions, but I'm asking you all the questions, it turns out. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, all of them, just bang on. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to get you on as a future guest now. Yeah, she has such great answers. No, you're definitely a great team. This is excellent. Thanks. Um, I'd say for me it would be see the beauty in everything, even the small things you do. Because sometimes when you're doing maybe some bit of a cleanup on a shot or something like that, you might not think of it as something beautiful, but all parts of our world and nature, I feel like they are beautiful in their own ways. And to just see that and just always be curious about how the lighting falls on the leaves of the tree in a certain weather or how there's a bit of mist gathered in the morning, like it's all those little subtleties that you might not be thinking about, but they're all part of something that's around us. And that's great. I think that's something important not to forget when you're creating those map paintings. Yeah, that's great. I mean, does that resonate with you as well, Pia? Almost kind of as a that, that world you encompass. To- actually, totally. 
I was just thinking um, the lead that I mentioned before, who was my first mentor, he said the exact same thing to me, just like, Keep wow. looking around. Look this at everything. This is going to be our, I almost want this to be our, like, a wellness special. It wasn't the <laughs> Matt Painting special, but for me, it's kind of like, I've never really appreciated kind of Matt Painters like this, where you, you're seeing the beauty in everything. You know, like, you, you know, it's like that scene in Soul where the, the, the leaf falls down in that amazing moment. Yeah, I can't, I, I've never thought about environments and Matt Painting through this, this kind of lens. Um, but it's, it makes so much sense the way you both articulate it. I think it's excellent. So whenever I meet a Matt Painter, I just want to give him a big hug. <laughs> you know, just, there you go. We're just, yeah, amazing, amazing. Love it. Right. So I'm going to move on swiftly now into the last few questions in, in this first part, which is uh, the uh, the one question you wish I'd asked you, Pierre, and uh, not just the question, but, you know, how would you have answered it? So what have I missed? What haven't I asked you that you were geared to answer? Which movie has had the greatest impact on your life, mm. the impact in the state of your work, or something that you always come back to on rainy days and you feel sad, or a movie that you keep quoting all the time? Oh, what a great question. I feel like from my my answer is like uh, a million different movies, but for some reason I thought of Austin Powers. Oh, wow. I mean, it's not very, uh, for a map painter, it's not like a great uh, answer, but it's just as a movie lover. Yeah. That's my favourite. Yeah, yeah. What's yours? Mine. Right. I love a couple. There's two that I love from my childhood because my dad used to run a uh, a pirate video business in the 80s. So it was the, it was the, the era of video nasties, and oh, wow. so I was quite young, and I saw a lot of films that I shouldn't have watched, like Taxi Driver, a lot of this early Scorsese films when I was really young, like probably 10, 11 years old. And my favourite film, and it's kind of problematic now, uh, and I mentioned it on a previous podcast, is uh, the Clint Eastwood vehicle, Dirty Harry, ah. um, where he plays the... Ma- I love a maverick cop. It's such <laughs> a trope, and it is such a Hollywood cliche. But I love a maverick cop who plays by his own rules or her own rules. And I just love... It's just Clint Eastwood at his, his, his finest, and it's such a yep. simple story. It's uh, it's not, doesn't challenge you mentally. Uh, uh, I've not watched it in a little while. It doesn't challenge you uh, intellectually necessarily, but it's just got some great lines and it is so silly and um, it's so unbelievable. But it's got a great bad guy. It's got a maverick cop who's unorthodox and it's got Clint Eastwood at its best. So it'd be that one. And I love I, I love RoboCop. Okay. I'm a sucker for the original <laughs> RoboCop. I just think it is just a perfect film. And again, it's got. Old, old school stop motion animation in it uh, so I mean I, I'm into cinema cinema I mean there's amazing kind of you know epic movies that I should I should offer up but for me Dirty Harry and Robocop are kind of two of my favourite movies <laughs> but, uh, a bit like your Austin Powers films like yeah exactly <laughs> big box of popcorn um, what about you Kat now we're having our big um, a movie movie geek fest what have you what have you got for um, us so for me it would be an animated movie by DreamWorks um, uh, I love how to train your dragon oh. I love the aesthetic and the story and just the animation and the design behind the dragons and the misty island environments it it's just a beautiful and emotional movie and it's kind of what got me into environments in the first place as well really well wow thank you for offering an animated film and not going for like citizen kane to make me feel like a complete love <laughs> i'm like going dirty eye robocop and you go kind of well you know we're gone with the wind <laughs> i'm a sucker for animated movies so yeah that's a great one 
yeah brilliant oh well I could, this is a whole other podcast in itself so i'm gonna move into uh the, the last couple of questions now if i may uh pia what's the uh actually who would you like to see on the podcast next next so yeah we, we're always listening we're always getting feedback from people all over the business who would you like to sit in this hot seat and go through the dailies questions uh our vfx soup glenn mellenhorst because mm. he's just amazing he just knows so much and he's got the craziest eye for detail. Brilliant. Okay, excellent. Julie, Julie noted. Um, Kat, any any offers? I'm here to get the feedback, so I'm gonna I might as well get a few more names. Anybody you'd like to see on the podcast? Um, have you ever had Suzanne Yandu on the podcast? No, but she's on my list. Suzanne Yandu. I would love to listen to a podcast with her. Both great names, both on the list. So bump it up to the top of the list. Oh, I bumped a few up the top of the list. Don't you worry. I've got lots, but yeah, that's uh, they're great. I'll make an exception on the, on this episode. Definitely heard hear it loud and clear. Okay, so we're getting to the end of the episode now, and uh, this is the reason why people listen, which is the uh, the food related question. And uh, Pia, uh, if you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, you're not allowed to cheat. What would it be? Oh, okay, lasagna. <laughs> lasagna any reason for that is that something that <laughs> my mum always made it when I was younger um it's just my favorite you're a Garfield yeah fan. I think oh <laughs> yeah I am um I wanted to answer with stir fry because you can like if you make a stir fry you can do it different every time it's a different meal but then you just said I can't cheat so that's kind of cheating excellent well you followed your heart and you're gone with lasagna <laughs> and you know it's a uh, it's a strong effort if that's the only thing you're going to eat. I mean, you need, not, might need a, a decent exercise regime if you're going to be eating that every day. Um, but a strong, a strong addition to the the, 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 the Frame Store podcast menu. Um, brilliant. Uh, Kat, anything you want to add? Any culinary delights that you could live on for the rest of your days? I think it probably would be paella. Ooh, nice. It's a, yeah, it's a Spanish rice. Yeah. Uh, it's a Spanish rice dish, but... Um, you make it with wine. I don't want to sound like an alcoholic, but a good, <laughs> good glass yeah. of wine added to your meal is spot on. Nothing wrong so. with that. Well, the alcohol reduces down anyway, so it's all it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So two two amazing examples of uh, of comfort food there uh, to add to the, the, our menu. <laughs> yeah. And before I let you go in this part, I want to get uh, an addition to our Frame Store Podcast Dailies Spotify playlist. I need to get a new name for that that playlist that's very lengthy but it's we have a accompanying playlist on spotify where we ask our guests to add a track uh from their playlist that they listen to while they work um pia do you have a go-to track or tracks that you would like to add to the the frame store podcast dailies spotify playlist <laughs> yeah um carpenter brute roller mobster that that Ooh. whole album we can't have the whole album you can only have a track or two oh okay <laughs> defeats the object of a playlist otherwise um, just opening up with a <laughs> i think there's a song called roller mobster that's great on that it's one of the first ones nice it's a great one thank you and kat now that i've asked you all the questions you might as well um i i okay i'm just gonna veer back to how to train your dragon and the john powell um oh, a bit of movie school soundtrack that he made for the movie Brilliant. Well, again, you can't have the whole soundtrack. We'll kick off with the, the signature theme, <laughs> unless you've got a particular go-to. Yeah, either the signature theme or the, I think it's called the friendship. Okay. I've got it down. Julie noted. 
If I can get back to you, I can, can give you the names of the soundtracks. But yeah, I mean, I love the whole thing. But there are two specific ones that, if I find the titles, they're the best ones. Please do. Well, we'll jump on the the G Chat thread. I'll get I'll get two each from both of you, and I'll, I'll make sure they're on the the playlist for when we we release this episode, which is this week in real time. Amazing. All right, both. Well, uh, we're not done yet. We're going to be back this Thursday with part two, where I get to take a back seat and Kat is going to be our, our master of ceremonies. So we're going to say goodbye from the Framestore podcast for now, and we'll, we'll see you all again this Thursday. So thank you so much, Peer and Kat. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was part one. Join us for part two of the Framestore podcast this Thursday, where Kat takes over proceedings as co-host and interviews Peer. See you then. Oh,